Hey, Anne-Marie. So we were just chatting offline and uh, checking in on various things. And you were reflecting a little bit back on our conversation uh, last March when the world was ending uh, for the OER 20 session. And I thought you had some kind of interesting reflections on that. So, so we're jumping on here to record that. And yeah, so I don't know, not to just toss it right at you, but you know, what, what were some of the things that prompted you to bring that up? So I was thinking about, well, we have a meeting coming up with Grant and Tanis and Clint, and I was thinking about the Open ATC, and we've been pretty quiet on it for most of the summer for, you know, global pandemic reasons. Um, and actually, that's kind of interesting that it has just continued to tick away in the background and function really well. Um, but we can probably come back to that. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about, well, okay, we're, we're meeting to talk about what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? What are the things we need to action? You know, we drew up a roadmap a while ago, um, a three-year roadmap. And <laughs> clearly that was pre-COVID as well. But um, how do I get myself back into that kind of headspace and out of this kind of locked into delivery headspace that I think we're all in at the moment? And and revisiting the talk we did for OER20 or the conversation we had for OER20 where we tried to kind of grapple with where the open ETC might be relevant in the pandemic you know because we're seeing this massive pivot to kind of expediency and use of the LMS and I think we whittled it down to you know LMS some kind of video conferencing platform, some kind of exam proctoring platform was kind of what all ed tech looked like. And we were trying to work out where the open ETC was relevant. But of course, that was March. And a lot has happened since March. So I thought if we're trying to get to a place by next week of, you know, where do we go? It might be useful to reflect on where we thought the open ETC was relevant. And then maybe what's happened since then. And um, has that changed? Were we right? Was what we thought in March right? Is that how it's panned out? Are different things important now? So it seemed like a good place to pick it up from. Um, that's a really long-winded, waffly way. You, you, wrote a funny, you, 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 you wrote a funny tweet, I think, right after or while you were doing that. You wrote something like, hey, remember back in March? I, I think you were being sarcastic, but when our biggest worry was Zoom bombing? Yes. And now, <laughs> and now we're worried about dying? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because I re-listened to it and we made some jokes about Zoom bombing and that was, yeah, that was the biggest thing we were concerned about. And now, well, this isn't the case in Canada. We're not opening many campuses back up in Canada, thank God, but in many other places we are. And I don't know if you saw the, well, you did and because it's been all over the internet, but that policy that Boston University put together for how to award posthumous degrees to students who die just before they finish their course. Mm -hmm. Like at the point that you're making policy to deal with student death because you think it's a likely possibility, maybe you shouldn't be opening your campus. Maybe policy for But at least the governance is in place. I'm glad they got that foot forward. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> But I mean, obviously, I think you're being you were being a bit because I mean, I, I reread the I didn't listen to it, but I read the transcript. And uh, I mean, it's not like we were completely Pollyannish about our prospects <laughs> for, for things. I think we knew we were in for a tough time, but it's true. There was kind of that 
I mean, there's a certain type of thinking that happens in, you know, what felt like a crisis. Uh, I don't, you know, when you're talking about people, again, living and dying, uh, I, I tried to not to use words like that inappropriately, but certainly in terms of our functioning, it felt like a crisis. And, um, and, and we knew too, that there was going to be, this wasn't going to be something that we just ride out for a few weeks and then go back to normal. And I think that did frame some of our conversation. Uh, one of the comments that I saw from then was we were both taking a lot of comfort in how resilient our networks seemed to be mm -hmm. at that time. And I was wondering about that. How do you think our networks are doing, depending on how you define what our networks are, of course? Well, so if I think about that tweet that you just mentioned, I mean, I, I've kind of mentioned the people dying because we've opened up campus again and it's just become a you know, breathing ground for disease. But the other joke, but not joke, that was in that tweet was, you know, dying of exhaustion. Um, I think when we recorded our piece for OER20, we were both um, high on adrenaline, um, as probably most people around us were. Um, kind of locked into making this pivot and but the adrenaline's gone we're all out of it it's faded away we lots of us haven't taken summer breaks or where we've taken summer breaks they've not been regenerative I think they've just you know caught us back up to a baseline level of exhaustion I don't think anybody would say, even after a holiday, that they're feeling rested and refreshed this year. Um, it's, it's you know, recovered, maybe. Um, and, okay, we're, we're not going back. In my instance, we're an online university anyway, but, you know, talking to colleagues, we're not going back to campus. I'm not reopening the face-to-face -face elements of our service that we do have. Um, and... It's, yeah, we're tired. Uh, we've done as much planning for it as we can, but I don't, you know, you can't flip entire universities to be fully online and have the kind of quality experience. And we're about to take a new intake of students. And I think that's maybe one of the key differences. Um, this happened, this pivot happened to the students who were already in our institutions. So to some extent, we'd, we were all in that together and we've got this extra complexity now that is a new intake of students coming and they maybe don't have some kind of baseline levels of I guess you know university's new for them now maybe yeah. that'll be in our favor because some expectations won't have been set but you know how to navigate a university how to how to be in that place and that culture is not something that they're coming with. So, yeah, I we're tired, and there's a tidal wave coming towards us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's I was really saying cheating. that to you offline. <laughs> it, I, I feel like one of those people that you know, when a when a hurricane's hitting, coming on a coast, and they put in an evacuation order, and they're those crusty old, usually crusty old people just putting boards in there. Like, oh, I've been living here for fifty years. I ain't scared of no rainstorm, and you know. And, <laughs> It just feels kind of madness to kind of go, all right, fall, and let's get ready for new orientation. And we got the, you know, and you, you try to build up, you know, your usual attitude at this time of year. You're trying to project enthusiasm and optimism and, hey, let's get, because those are 
good emotions to have in the mix when you're trying to create a learning environment. At least I think so. Yep. You know, you want to have a spirit of fun uh, and a sense that this is going to be good. Like learning should feel good usually. Um, and I, and we've had, and I also worry about expectations. Um, you know, I think there was a sense of, okay, let's just get through this semester. And, you know, at the time, you know, is this going to be pass fail? Do we just give people credit for what they've mm-hmm. done? You know, no one's talking like that right now. Uh, I think there's an expectation that we need to get as close to a comparable experience as we can and that we're expected to have our our preparation in order for that. And yeah, we've been preparing all summer, although we had, at least at my university, we had summer courses. <laughs> uh, and of course, our open learning division is continuous. Mm-hmm. And we've actually had our highest levels of enrollment ever uh, in the last four months. And every month is a new record. Uh, and so, you know, it hasn't, the day-to-day, well, it might not be quite as frenetic and insane as it was when we spoke in March. Um, it hasn't been chill. <laughs> nope. And 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 to think this is the time when we really should, and we have, we've prepared, we've done a lot. You know, we've prepared some things. We have some things in place that we didn't have before, and they're going to be very handy. Uh, but at the same time, that, 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 t- that sense of the tidal wave, I really feel like I'm just kind of sitting on the shore watching either, you know, this tidal wave or hurricane coming. And it's not there yet. It's still nice, you know. Uh, here where I'm recording, the, the weather is sunny. You know, I can go outside and feel the sun on my face. And it's lovely. I can have a nice feeling. <laughs> uh, but then I go and sit back down at my computer and I look at my email. And uh, anyway, it's it's going to be a real grind. And we're seeing that everywhere. And um, it seems like every day, someone who I usually, well, I do look up to, puts a thread up, basically saying how hard they're finding it. I don't think anyone's cruising right now. No. Um, no, and I think and that is weird. We're both in kind of DM groups and back channel groups with people, and you know, not just even from North America, but when I look at the UK, when I look at Australia, when I look at Africa, various of the areas where we we have colleagues and we chat to people regularly, and there's a whole yeah, education and and our institutions don't exist in isolation, so everybody students and and ourselves and all of our colleagues are all grappling with the impact that this has on every aspect of our lives mm-hmm. we're we're you know we're dealing with family issues we're dealing with just do, just doing stuff everyday stuff is more difficult than it used to be going shopping is more difficult than it used to be getting various services is more difficult than it used to be um, you know wait times for things are extended we are all of us trying hard to be kind and to be patient (laughs) and we're tired (laughs) and I worry I worry I mean I worry about us all burning out but I worry as well that the students who are coming to us are not coming to us fresh-faced and you know and rosy and ready to jump into university they're as impacted by this as everybody else and so they're um abilities to cope with complexity are going to be diminished just like everybody else's are um so yeah it's going to be hard to remember to be kind and caring 
we've been practicing it and preaching it for as long as we can over the over this period but it's really going to be tested i think in a way well, that I it feel, hasn't been to date and i feel like the people again who i tend to look up to the most they're not talking as much about tech anywhere like even the learning tech people it is more it's amazing how much of it is just like back off you know mm -hmm. <laughs> chill out don't forget this mm -hmm. here's a reminder some people are differently abled some people you know are incredibly precarious and we and should always be reminding ourselves of that but obviously under these conditions it's just that much more pressing and hey, easy to forget because they're not in front of you absolutely yeah we're all distant from each other and in, in ways we haven't been in the past and i was on a, a call um oh god what day was it friday friday morning at early o'clock before my working day started with um Mia Zamora and uh, Mahabeli and um, Catherine Cronin and others around the Equity Unbound curriculum, which they've been running for a few years. And they're, you know, psyching themselves up to uh, run another year's worth of activities and opening that invitation to others to participate and be part of it. So there's a whole number of us on the, the call. Um, and it's never, I mean, it's always been an important piece of work. Um, but it's never felt more important because all these issues of inequity and care um, are, are, are right in our faces now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're living them ourselves, but um, yeah, I mean, the one thing we are not touching on, I suppose, is what's changed since, since March. And I mean, coronavirus is still with us, but, but something else has happened in that time as well around societal inequity and the whole the whole black lives matter movement and what that has sparked around the world and and then what we're currently seeing in various countries not just the u.s with authoritarian regimes yeah the fears around things like surveillance and facial recognition and what records get kept and shared with who about what they seem you know i think to a lot of the people we have common admiration for those were never abstract issues but i think that's always been a struggle is to make that feel real to people something worth worrying about now mm -hmm. um, that does seem to be a bit more of a conscience um but you know you were talking about group dms and i was in a group dm i think you were in too where um we were talking about a certain vendor behaving badly <laughs> and uh and the person in the group dm kind of was outlining the steps they were taking to try to fend this vendor off and feeling very lonely, uh, not, you know, that being seen as obstructionist from their faculty because they were resisting this quite unethical technology, or at least a technology that could be applied unethically. Uh, and being, you know, being put in that position where I think a lot of learning technologists are where, you know, we're expected to be something of, of a service dimension to what we do. We're here to serve the faculty and the students. And I, I, I believe that. I believe I'm here to serve those entities. But at the same time, you have a responsibility to promote practices that you think, <laughs> you know, uh, are human for one, uh, but also too for the for the long in the long term interests of everyone. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, you, there's a certain du duty of care, right? Like that, if you know something could be harmful, you have an obligation to make people aware of those dimensions. But you can feel pretty lonely. And anyway, this person in the DM says, "Why is it the job of the learning text to be the conscience of a university uh, on things like privacy and student care?" Um, yeah, 
And there was an interesting comment that, um, again, a couple of, <laughs> I don't want to use the phrase thought leader because that's massively loaded now. But, but you know, some, some people in our field made about um, the lack of digital leadership in some institutions. So, you know, where, and it's interesting that you use that phrase, you know, serve, where IT and learning technology have been viewed as, as service departments. Um, and when you need a digital thing, you go to them, as opposed to having a, a, a kind of digital strategy and infusing digital through the organization and having champions at a fairly senior level of the organization who can, who can understand exactly the issues that you've outlined and see them in terms of institutional risk and, um, you know, and, and strategy, bluntly. Um, and I think we have spotted that a number of institutions just don't have that in their leadership. So in those cases, yes, individuals who, you know, wherever they are in the organization are the ones left because that's the highest level at which maybe this kind of awareness is permeated in an organization. And that's a damning indictment on our sector. And there was a, there was an article, British newspaper, can't remember which one, probably The Guardian or something, um, fairly early on in the pivot, literally talking about this, talking about which UK universities were going to manage this pivot and which ones were going to struggle. You know, and it was naming a whole bunch of them, Edinburgh, Coventry, Leeds, a bunch of others. Um, and it certainly wasn't all Russell Group institutions. They're the ones with deep pockets, but it wasn't saying it was all of them. It was the ones who have had a good, coherent digital education strategy for a number of years and have that. And therefore, that skill and competency has risen up their leadership chain. So they've got investment in technology, but they've also invested in people and process and, and, in, and in thinking. And we've really seen, you know, where institutions don't have that. And you're, it does leave people really vulnerable. Um, I feel like I could, I don't want to cut this line of thinking off, but I feel like I could turn some of these same things I'm seeing in a slightly less doom-laden direction. Now, Brian, that's very unlikely. Why? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, I think overall, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I, when I'm when I'm putting my mind to what this year is going to look like, I have far more moments of misgivings than uh, enthusiasm and optimism. But that said, um, it has been kind of cool. Like this past summer, and I have to give a shout out to my colleague, Brenna Clark Gray, like she made, uh, she really pushed for us to not just be reactive this summer. She said she, she was very clear, like, yeah, we're, we're way too, uh, you know, reactive right now and we're yeah we're overwhelmed but we need to start trying to change the conversation a bit so she set up this wonderful summer camp session of things and it wasn't just straight up ed tech topics a lot of it was kind of bigger picture conversations about how we approach what we do in a digital environment mm -hmm. and where digital is shaping our environment maybe as a better way of putting it and we got some really nice take up on it and it's Yes, that is still a minority of our faculty group, but we were getting turnout for sessions like we've never gotten before, ever. And um, I think, you know, it was really interesting to see how the conversation did shift in certain ways, at least among the people that were coming to those sessions and doing things. 
and just to maybe start to turn this to the open ETC again too, um, at least the, the people that have been spending this summer to prepare for fall, uh, those in the faculty that have really been looking at, at what they're going to do. Um, there are a lot of people, at least at my institution, who um, in the past were really interesting educators that were doing stuff online. But when I would have a conversation with them about, hey, have you thought about trying this? Or have you thought about trying that? Um, and these were in the days where I was encouraging people to do more. <laughs> um that they would just go, oh, no, you know what? Moodle meets my needs. It's fine. You know, I, I'm going to do this in here. But thanks for, for mentioning it. Those people are now coming to us increasingly going, hey, is there a better way to do this? <laughs> uh, I, I would like to have this kind of outcome. And, or, and, and, and I've been really pleased how often... Uh, the, the answer to that question is, oh, yeah, actually, you could use the Splot Writer. <laughs> or, oh, yes, you could deploy your videos in a WordPress environment, and then you can tag them, reorganize them, and attach all the attachments you want to them. Uh, you can contextualize things now. And having that toolkit um, to be able to draw on. Since I last talked to you, I had the best ePortfolio experience in my career. It was already kind of underway um, when we spoke, but the conclusion was this group of visual arts students did the most creative um, and diverse set of portfolios based on a starter template that I'd ever seen students do. And it's part, large part because they were visual arts students. And these were now their professional portfolios that they're using. They have shows. And so I get emails now going, I got a show coming up next week. Can you help me still you know, make my site a little better? Uh, <laughs> anyway, very rambly thing, but I just kind of wanted to say uh, um, as difficult as this summer's been, and yeah, we've been a little bit quiet in terms of big picture planning. I'm using the toolkit a lot, and I'm extraordinarily grateful we were able to get as much work in when we did to get those tools in place. And we did kind of predict that when we talked in March. I mean, we also predicted there might be no electricity by now. Um, mm -hmm. That had not come to pass, but um, we did we did predict that you know one of our hopes was that some of the people who are now engaging with digital education and, and with technology and their teaching, you know, they would get onto a path and, a, and be, you know, be on a, a spectrum of learning there that might take them towards the open ATC and then, you know, we'd be ready for them um, when they came to us. And, and it's kind of cool to see that that, that is happening because you, you mentioned, I think, in that original talk, I can't remember whether it was the first bit we did or the second, but... Um, you know, some of the people who'd had to make the pivot very fast had suddenly experienced a very different dynamic in their classes. Students that were quiet were now engaging because they were able to engage in a different mode that they felt more comfortable with. And and technology had changed their teaching in a way that w was feeling positive, even though the circumstances were not positive. So, and we, you know, we, we posited that maybe some of those people would find their way towards the open ATC and as they got a bit more creative and started to think a bit more um, deeply about how they could use technology in their teaching. So along those lines too, just maybe since we're on that topic a little bit of the toolkit, I mean, it's been a relatively quiet summer in terms of big stuff, but uh, we did make some incremental improvements to the toolkit in case anyone's wondering. So we've kept up with the WordPress upgrades and we've got a few new uh, plugins and, and features in there. Um, 
a couple relatively modest upgrades to Mattermost have really improved it in my view. Uh, the biggest single feature is you can now finally click a button and see all the files that have been posted in a channel, in a directory that's searchable. <laughs> <laughs> that's been my number one problem with Mattermost since we adopted it. And then there were even cases where I'd say, yeah, if this is really important to you. Maybe you should stay with Slack. Mm -hmm. um, so that feature is massive. Um, I think one of the things we haven't done as much with as we wanted to is Cloudron. Um, although interestingly enough, I've done just a little bit of playing with Reclaim Cloud. And I think some of the things that Reclaim Cloud offers is some similar Cloudron. So I think we have a conversation to, to have there about what framework we want to get behind um, for that kind of more experimental dimension. Mm -hmm. um, but out of that, I will just say we did an implementation of NextCloud, which is essentially an open source version of a lot of the tools you'll see in a Google, doc, in a Google suite. Um, but I would say with significant feature enhancements over what you would have seen with, uh, say, Etherpad. Uh, it's, it's just a, it's just, it's snazzier. Anyway, uh, we've got a working group uh, in exams at TRU that's been using it. I told them, I said, I'm not sure this is really ready for production level work. They're using it uh, for their own purposes. So this, this isn't stuff that's like student facing for the mm -hmm. most part, but, but they're using it and they're depending on it. And from what I hear, they're loving it. Um, and that's exciting. And um, hopefully, too, uh, we're in the early stages of implementing a tool called eLab FTW, which essentially is like an online lab notebook framework, which mm -hmm. seems to have some really promising features. And that was based on a on an instructor request at TRU. And one of the things I really enjoy about having our collaboration in place the way we did was I was able to say, okay, um, if this is just one instructor at my instru at my institution doing this, putting this together, a server environment, installing the application, learning it. I don't know. But if this is something we could put on an open ETC server and make useful to everybody, um, that kind of changes the equation a little bit. And I just wanted to do a little. So one of the things we ran into, though, was apparently the way that application was designed originally um, it didn't allow for multi-institutional whitelisting of account domains, which would have been an issue, right? We wouldn't be able to sign people mm -hmm. up. Um, we contacted the developer and they implemented that for us, which is one of those open source, amazing stories that, I don't know, I haven't had enough of those lately. So. And I think that's, that's that, if I was to think back to the, the conversation we had, we talked about shared risk the open ETC being a place where we can share some risks around you know it, it's a place where we can mitigate a little bit of the single person single point of failure single point of knowledge kind of risk um, and by you know by sharing some of the load we can mitigate some of the risk as a sector um, but particularly around online labs, I, I don't know what it's been like in your institution, but that's been one of the big challenges. And mm -hmm. you know, I do a bit of work in this space with, with ex-colleagues at Edinburgh still. This is where a lot of institutions have struggled and BC Campus put together a really great resource that pulls together as, as many examples of po as possible of um, various types of, of online labs or remote labs because actually that phrase when you unpack it can mean posting things to people it can mean giving them raw data to analyze instead of them doing the experiment it can mean engaging with simulations online a whole range of things but again this 
this pivot has really pointed up the spaces and places where we don't use a lot of technology um and, and where I don't know are we behind the curve I mean I think there's a fundamental issue with something like chemistry lab skills that are you know physical lab skills that need to be um mm -hmm. learned and understood it's it's part of the discipline um but there are other areas where we do face-to-face -face labs where we don't need to do face-to-face -face labs and uh, DOU in the UK has a, a massive investment in this space and has flipped a lot of its its lab work to be fully online including you know physical experiments for electronic engineering and virtual microscopes for geology and a whole range of stuff and but they're about the only people in the world with this infrastructure so I'm kind of excited that you know there's a there's a space and a gap which we're all struggling with and yeah one in one member of staff in your institution has flagged something that could help in this space lab notebooks are a very small part of the equation but we can bring the open etc in again and we can share some of this stuff because if one person's got that problem i'm sure plenty do in the sector and it really is no well, uh, well, in this case, the thing with the whitelisting and the accounts and the developer, that's that's the amazing part of that story. But I mean, the rest of it is actually very, there's no, when we throw something up on a server to, to say, oh, we'll do this on an open ETC server instead of a Truebox node or a TRU node, it's the same nodes for us, like it's EduCloud. So mm -hmm. it's, there's no, <laughs> and I'll admit part of my motivation was, is, oh, if this is a worthwhile platform, it's not going to be just us by ourselves trying to figure this thing out and how to apply it and how to use it. Like, I guess my selfish motivation is that other people in the network will use it and you get it. I mean, I remember one of the very early motivations for me to work on the open ATC was I wanted to share a WordPress network with Tannis's team and Grant, you know, I wanted to see how they did things because I, I saw their sites, like you can see what they do and you can see what they share. That's not the same as being able to share a platform. Mm -hmm. And be able to look at their admin <laughs> dashboard <laughs> and what plugins they put in and what their configuration <laughs> settings are and their CSS overrides and all that, you know, I mean, even if you don't adopt it, just to be able to look at it and, and, and to, to just kind of see that problem solving uh, and then, yes, maybe adopt it. Uh, and I guess that's part of this. I, I, I think if this tool gets any traction, who knows if it will. Uh, but I think if it does, it'll be because of that kind of dynamic in play. Because again, we all have lower bandwidth to to do that kind of experimentation and self learning. So we need to we need to build off each other. We do, we do. But what has been heartening and mentioned earlier is that yes, these incremental upgrades that you mentioned have been done over the summer, and some nice new features have come online. We haven't really built the toolkit out particularly, and none of us have had an awful lot of time to give to handholding and supporting, except in our own institutions, and that's more you and and uh, Grant, I think, and more maybe than well tennis as well to an extent, but um, but it's it's still there, it's still running, and all the people who have been using it for ages just keep using it, you know, and they're they're doing. It's running. It's operating. We're yeah. not asking us for help. Nobody's, nobody's been, nobody has. It, like it went quiet over the summer. Nobody has been popping up and and going. This is on fire. Help me. Um, but stuff is still happening. Sites are still appearing, and 
work is still going on. So I feel like but the in, the community piece of it, albeit it's not the hugest community, but you know, it's it's a pretty solid group of people who've been using it for a while now. But they're just getting on with it. And it it has been growing quietly, but actually, I, it makes me feel like the the framework is. I mean, I always say we need to make our onboarding smoother, and we do. But it's not terrible because what I've noticed is there are people just finding their way to the sign up page based on what we've documented and hitting the get started link and getting started, mm -hmm. and we don't hear from them. And uh, I looked in on the WordPress community of practice on Mattermost that we host and. Uh, one of our colleagues who had never, you know, a fairly senior colleague at another institution uh, wants to, you know, has built a framework and wants to get it into the clone zone. You know, I had no idea they were working on that. Mm -hmm. They're ready to go. So um, it makes me feel good to think that I think it's not just, I think, again, sometimes when I think we talk about this stuff and other people kind of go, oh, boy, that sounds crazy what you're doing. It presumes that you're going to have to hold people's hands every step of the way. And that even the people that weren't there right from the beginning, you know, we, we were providing some capacity and some steps that actually let them move ahead. And they, they don't necessarily need to start from step one. And I've been really pleased to see evidence of that this fall or this summer, I should say. Yeah, it, it gives gives weight to the, the model that we were trying to build, you know, a self-supporting community, not a a shared service model based on, you know, customer and, and service provider, but a, a community of people who are supporting each other, but underpinned by some good quality infrastructure and technology that, you know, is robust enough for people to feel confident. I can honestly say there's been no point of this summer where I've gone, oh gosh, we're just, too, I'm just so overrun and too overwhelmed. I got to let some things go okay, I got to pull back from the open ETC. Like that's not even, and it, it's it not even not only on an emotional level because of how much I just enjoy it, but just even a straight practical point of view, it'd be suicidal. It'd be stupid. It would be, why would I remove myself from this thing that's actually <laughs> allowed us to continue to function with some degree of um, effectiveness? Uh, it, it, it would be very self-defeating. So that's, that's good, I think, <laughs> uh, four or five months into this very, very hard period. Um, but, but that's what we're looking at. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I, you know, I'm in a very different kind of institution and I'm in a different province and my institution doesn't use the open ATC. I don't get to work with people who, who you know, are using it on a day-to-day -day basis or don't get to, to work supporting people who want to use it in learning and, and teaching. But um there's it for me anyway it still provides a place and a space to think creatively about tech that i don't think i'm getting anywhere else you know i'm i'm, I'm locked into i mean i've got some very big changes that i need to be making in my institution for reasons that are nothing to do with the pandemic but but all of the pandemic just highlights all the reasons why they're important um and it's going to be, it's going to be a slog. Um, and there's some kind of foundational stuff to do, which is, it's not very creative. Um, and the Open ETC is a, is a, just in terms of my mental health, is a place and a space to think creatively 
and just to have that. And I don't know how you feel about that in in your context and where you're you're heading, but for me, that's if it does nothing else for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of alluded to that and then brushed it aside, which was when I was talking about kind of yeah, that just the the, the dimension of it's a what this collaboration just means to my basic morale and sanity. <laughs> uh, just knowing I get to talk to you all has a huge effect and, and a benefit and uh, to check in with you and share ideas. And, and yeah, I mean, even when we're commiserating, we do typically move things into a slightly more constructive gener- uh, direction eventually, uh, which always feels good. But this goes maybe right back to your point about um, at the start about resilience and and you know our networks and how dynamic and resilient our networks have been um and how do we feel about that now what are the things we need to prioritize for ourselves we talk a lot about care for our students um and and care within our you know workplaces and our faculty but there's an element of self-care as well and part part of that is physical you know (laughs) take some time off rest sleep eat some healthy food do some exercise get some vitamin d um but how do we care for ourselves mentally and make sure that we don't get stuck in i mean the grind is going to be the grind and there there's an element of that that we can't avoid so for me the you know speaking purely personally the open etc does a lot for my for my mental health to give me a a space and a place that isn't the grind and and the people and not just the people that we work with um you know to run it but some of the other people who circulate around it just to be part of that community well said (laughs) so so very long-windedly again (laughs) no no not at all not to me anyway Um, perfectly selfish reason for being involved (laughs) (laughs) but with that i feel like I, we, when I sat down with you and hit the record button, I think we've ticked most of the boxes I hope to cover. Was were there things you were hoping to to at least raise or put forward either before when we started or that have occurred to you since we started chatting? I guess we touched on it a little bit, which is the you know the ethics of what we do, and um, you mentioned earlier, you know that the, the some of the vendor tactics for the ways they've tried to weasel into institutions and use this crisis to their advantage. Um, you made mention earlier before this conversation about you know the rise of the OPMs and we saw some some stuff early on that predicted a number of institutions would turn to OPMs to help them get online and yes, that's happening. Um, but I think that the the awareness around surveillance and data and just the just the awareness of that in society more generally, um, it's all it's all gone up a notch. And it kind of existed in some places already. I mean South Africa's got an interesting history with with online learning and the relationship to student strikes. Um, but I think the the massive industrial scale use of proctoring we're now starting to see in North America and in Australia particularly a lot of pushback by students and I'm in my institution getting students saying 
I don't want to use this piece of technology because I know that company are based in the US and I know what the Patriot Act is and I do not want my data to belong to those people. And in- Or saying I started crying when I was, you know, when I sneezed and the person told, flagged it as a, as a violation. Yes. Um, Yes. You hear things like that directly. Or the CEO, uh, just... or the CEO went after me directly on um, on Twitter, and uh, you know, there was a massive privacy breach as he pasted a bunch of my um, uh, chat log on. And although it framed me differently, it wasn't the whole chat log, and there's a whole bigger story there, for example. Um, but yeah, there's there's a level of awareness of these issues that's a bit more mainstream now. Um, but but we've also as a sector, got into bed with vendors more than ever. And we are headed into, if not into, a massive global recession. Education is going to be how we dig ourselves out of part of this. Um, And access to education, affordability of education is going to become even more critical. And we've probably signed again, as a sector, not necessarily our institutions, have probably signed contracts now which are going to come back and bite us in a couple of years' time, just as that. You, you always make the us. best negotiations when you're in a state of panic. I think you so, know, that's, yeah. That's always the best time to make a long-term commitment. <laughs> I do worry a lot, and actually I tried to skip past this, Anne-Marie, because I <laughs> I don't know how we can talk about this without committing career suicide. Uh, I I get people, especially people that don't know my our field all that well who just say things like oh with online learning now you must feel like you're set for life you know what i mean you've never felt more important and it's like in a sense i get that i mean we're busy you know um but i do feel like the prevailing trends uh you know every time someone signs one of these agreements and and, and apportions this these kind of resources to outsource solutions whether it's in an opm or a, uh or a proctoring service or a textbook platform that delivers its assessments for you. <laughs> um, first of all, I think we are undermining our own long-term ability to function and our and also our own case for existing. Yes. Uh, and but also too just the resources because yes, I think I think we all know some kind of reckoning is coming, and I don't want to sound like one of those thought leaders that says that, but I think it's clear. I mean, I, we've seen how the We've seen how these patterns go. And I think the more we do now to lock ourselves into long-term commitments that that tie up our, our very precious resources instead of investing in ourselves and creating resilience and flexibility and the ability to make changes and to whatever extent we can, self-sufficiency, whether that's collective self-sufficiency, preferably, mm-hmm. uh, or within our units. I mean, we really need to be looking that way. And I think one of the more demoralizing parts of the last few months has seen how many people, um, in my opinion, are embracing what seem like very, very um, appealing solutions that I don't think people fully understand, first of all, the damage they can, they can do to our communities, but also beyond that, (laughs) you know, just to be blunt, you know, our own uh, viability, our own, our own, you know, our own case to exist uh, yep. as institutions and as individual workers. And, you know, maybe we should all be outsourced and everything should be centralized. And maybe Sebastian Thrun was right. Maybe there should only be 10 institutions that do all the learning for everyone in the world. I don't know why we should be promoting that. And I don't know why faculty should be promoting that. No, I, 
I think you're right to spot that and flag that danger. I think particularly the let's outsource assessment, let's outsource content. Um, uh, what you know, where is the teacher in that? Um, are you just a curator? Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the point that we we start outsourcing our core rationale, we're in. We should be asking ourselves what are, very, and very And what are the kind of, and to take it back to that idea of student care, this isn't just about being nice and kind and human, although that's, those are good enough reasons. Um, when you talk about teaching strategies that really emphasize like real meaningful interaction and contact between the students amongst themselves and with students, that's the kind of stuff that's really hard to automate and outsource. Uh, you know, a, a sense of belonging. If, if you feel like you, you know, that you really connected with the people in a course. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't worry about OPMs recreating that. And uh, I feel like there's some, you know, besides the fact that it's just the way we should be as human beings. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's some, I think we can make a case of self-interest for these for these practices. We absolutely well. must and, make a case for and pedagogical effectiveness, of course. Yeah, I mean that that you know we're we're right back into Moore and transactional distance and the kind of founding foundational thinking that underpins a lot of what we know to be good pedagogy in digital education. Um, this psychological distance between people and the institution and the people they study with and the people who teach them and the content that they work with. And if we don't attend to that psychological element and just treat it like a set of transactions, yeah, we'll, we'll absolutely fail. And our students will have a miserable, miserable time because if there's one thing COVID and isolation has really reinforced, it's that we are social creatures. So now that you lured me into one topic, I was trying to avoid you. <laughs> and you, you, I know you wanted this talk to be a little shorter than it's turned out to be as well. Well, no, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, you, you've been interesting at least, and I'm okay with the length. Uh, it's, I, I hope, hopefully, because I don't think I'm going to edit this very heavily. You've I mean, been you interested can. too. I don't want, I, I no, because if I was just, I'd, either to me, just me removing all my text or all my, all my parts and just editing out the silent bits and posting a 20 minute version. Uh, I don't think I could edit this to improve it, honestly. Uh, not, not today anyway, uh, not with a hockey game coming on, <laughs> but, uh, you've got a pool to lounge in. Talk, talk about, um, talk about things that aren't going to age over time. As, as I, as we record this, the Canucks are up in a playoff series. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that I'm speaking with optimism and hope about my hockey team, uh, on television, uh, that that will date quickly. <laughs> this is, we'll, people will know exactly when this was recorded. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think this is going to continue for much longer. Um, but so, yeah, I, 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 I'm guessing you don't have a, 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 a. Is there anything else? I don't, I don't want to uh, ram something past you. If there was more you wanted to. No, about. no, go for it. What were you looking to go? No, I think, to? like I said, I, I, I feel like I feel like I've addressed most of what I was hoping to check in with. It was really good to um, to revisit this because actually when I look back on it, I feel like that conversation we had back in March, even though it was under such difficult circumstances, was one of those few times where we actually got to take a moment to step back and reflect. And uh, 
think about what we're doing, which, yeah, there, there, there have been too few opportunities for that. So thank you. No, thank you. And I do have one final question to ask, and I don't know if you, mm. I don't know if you've had a chance to engage with this or not, but you know, one of the things that um, was in our our last um, conversation was, um, I think Neil Young had been dropping some fairly interesting <laughs> music. <laughs> I don't know, Brian. Where are we with that? Has Has Neil oh, got anything a... new to add to the conversation? Oh, yeah. Or has he been? Has he been uh, he's not been silent. I believe there's some stuff across the border that's been a little bit more pressing. Yeah, I think he's getting worked up about some other things now. I haven't heard any new uh, ed tech stuff, but you know, I can't. I yeah, I, I'm looking for. He, he always comes back to the well, so you know, it's always about getting back to the source. So maybe, maybe, maybe when that tsunami hits us in September, that's that's yeah. when we should be expecting. I was thinking about making a, a, a like a hurricane joke. Uh, that was the best I can do is just name the title I can't actually generate something witty and uh, I could do my horrible Neil Young impersonation right now but I think I would just be like da 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 na 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 <laughs> that's about as good as I can do right now sorry to disappoint you I would love to I would nothing would have made me happier than to delight you with a with an off-the-cuff Neil Young classic but well you know post-production is a thing it may yeah i may do a slick little edit <laughs> all right i'm gonna i'm gonna hit the stop recording button thank you again emory no, and thank, uh, you. thank you to anyone that's made it to this point listening bye thank you bye <laughs>